Hey, what's good, family? It's your boy, the People's Preacher, and you'll tune in to another exciting testimonial interview with the Av. Today's a special, special interview because this interview actually took place months ago, and for some reason I wasn't able to get the audio, but I got the audio, and this testimony is pretty much the first one I did, so it means a lot to me. I hope you enjoy it. It's an amazing testimony of how God is able to um, just keep us. Um, what the devil meant for bad, God always seems to turn it around for his good and his glory. And so I hope you enjoy this interview today. Uh, it's amazing. This young man has came a long way. God has brought him a long way. Um, hopefully his testimony can encourage you can help encourage maybe not just you, but a family member that has went through what he went through, not trying to give up no goods. Amen. Also, big shout out to my brother in Christ. Um, he's doing big things for the Lord. So uh, hopefully you look out for him, not just in this interview, but all the things that God is lining up. I know there's a book coming. I don't know uh, what else he has in line, but you should be blessed today. Also, big shout out to my brother, um, Isaac Hernandez, a.k.a. Otto, for um, blessing me with this audio. Um, you know, when I was going through it, I uh, didn't know if the podcast was even going to happen. He gave me some words of encouragement, helped me out, and I just was there for me. And I appreciate that, brother. So if you're listening, thank you. God bless you. I pray that you're blessed. So let's get it in. Pre-recorded. Um, hopefully you guys uh, appreciate it. God bless. What's up, my brother Gil? How you doing? I'm doing awesome. Hey, man, thanks for coming through, man. Thanks for uh, answering the phone call. Yeah, awesome. I'm excited. <laughs> Super excited. So we're going to, um, I'm going to, I'm going to have you join me and my brother in the, um, the scripture of the day. Are we ready? Okay, cool. Let's do it. The Bible says in Genesis, uh, one it says, then God said, let us make man in our own image. And after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of all the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so, I like that scripture. I feel that that um, a lot of times the young people we uh, people tend to have identity issues and not knowing yeah. who they are in Christ and who created them. And so. Uh, that's the scripture of the day, and uh, again, I want to welcome you to the AF, which is uh, the podcast of all podcasts. Awesome. We do two things here, my brother. We give God glory, and we tell stories. And, uh, Let's do it. So go ahead and just let everybody know who you are, man, where you're, where you're coming from, and just a little bit about Gilbert Miranda, Moraga. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, my name is uh, Gilbert. Uh, I was born, raised in Norwalk. Um, yeah, it's, it's exactly like the scripture you said. Um, of course, I had identity issues, um, which leads up to my testimonies, uh, which leads up to my testimonies, um, which I'll get to in a, in a bit. But, uh, but yeah, um, live in Norwalk, um, of course, um, normal family and all that kind of stuff. But of course, with every family, there's issues and all that kind of stuff. Um, but ultimately, um, through like point A and point B, um, everybody goes through something between that timeline, which um, causes them to 
in a sense, become who they are when they hit um, an adult between like in the ages of like 18 to like 25. But right now, I, I believe it's starting like at a younger age, at like 13 or 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, that's a little bit about me. <laughs> cool, man. Um, one of the things that I wanted to do with this podcast is I wanted to take people and I want you to take me on a journey. And I want you to uh, take me before Gilbert Moraga, the teenager, before the man, before Christ. And, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, as children, I believe that they like we're being built as children and um, our childhoods, you know, they shape us. And I know that um, for you, the testimony is um, is pretty uh, awesome what God has done for you. I believe your story is a story of redemption. I believe your story yeah. is a story of grace and how God is in control. And, and we know that the enemy is real. And so uh, take us back to that to that youngin, that young baby. Well, you still got the baby face, but that young yeah. Gilbert, <laughs> that, that young kid was running up and down Stansted Avenue in Rexton. And how was it, like, how was you, how was your, um, the, the you know the environment when you're growing up mom dad and you know stuff like that yeah um well before i um yeah so i grew up um in maybe about five minutes away from where um i where i currently residing now um it was me my mom my dad uh, my sister and um of course uh, i have like a my memory's kind of like hazy, but of course I grew up, uh, my mom literally got me anything I wanted. Like my room was like decked out with literally anything I asked for um, until I had my sister and my sister came along and uh, she really didn't have too much. She wasn't really a material kind of person, uh, but with me, I had like everything, mom, dad, they worked, um, went to school. When I came home, it was my grandma always watching us. Um, and I believe uh, that's when things start to get a little... Um, hectic when I hit about the age of like four or five um, my mom and dad kind of like were getting into it arguing and all that kind of stuff and um, I believe like right there that kind of like took a toll and a turn um, because my mom I mean my dad was kind of abusive to my mom and then that's what kind of like separated them in a sense so then uh, they're at the house um, it was just me, my mom, my sister, my grandma and then my uncle decided to uh, move in so I've always had like a, um, a house full of people. Um, but right there, it kind of like took a turn because my dad kept coming back and forth and my mom was like allowing him to come back or whatever, but it wasn't until like, maybe I was like, maybe it's, I was maybe in like uh, third, fourth grade-ish, I would say. And uh, we lived at a cul-de-sac where it was a dead end street. And um Basically, my, my dad literally knew everybody um, on that block, and um, there was just one one day, regular day, um, I was I was there playing outside with my friends, and it was me and my two other friends, um, and one of my other friends needed to go home, and then my other friend stayed behind, and then he was just like, oh, hey, he was just like, well, while we wait for Alex to get back, he's like, I want to do something, and at this age, basically, I was like, yeah, sure, like, let's do it or whatever, so basically what he did was he just like molested me back there and um at the moment i didn't know what was going on um 
I didn't know how to react, I, I would say, because at that age, I didn't know if it was good or not. I liked how it felt in the moment, but I knew it was bad. But the feeling in that moment, I just allowed it to happen. And then um, from that day forward, it just happened on a consecutive basis. Um, nobody knew about it. I kept it to myself as much as I wanted to tell somebody. I didn't because, like I said, I liked the way it felt. Um, and then it got to the point where he moved on, um, where he kind of like, stopped doing it and then it got to the point where I started doing it to him in a sense and he was maybe about six seven years older than me um I was like I said I was really young didn't know what to so, do my bad how old were you when this uh this started Again? Um, I want to say I was maybe in third third fourth grade I was in, in between that grade right there so yeah I don't know how old that is but I was um, between so, the, it was third or fourth grade. Wow, you were you were in third or fourth grade. He was like fifteen. Uh, I would say he was maybe about ten, eleven, twelve. Wow. Uh, around there, around that. So this was down. a close. This was a close friend of yours, someone you trusted. Yeah, it was a close. Yeah, it was a close friend of my dad's. It was his son. Um, I really didn't feel comfortable around him at times because he was always like doing these weird things and of course I would tell my dad something and he's just like oh just do it like I, I, I'd always tell him I don't want to go over but he in a sense forced me to go over he's like don't stay inside like just come out and he'd kind of like force the issue but little did he know what was going on in the back um, but then that's when all that took place and when he like molested me and all that kind of stuff um, but from then on like I said uh, that's how my childhood was and when he moved and then we moved away from that house and moved where we currently are at my grandma's house on Stansted, um, it was just my my mentality was guys, guys, guys instead of girls because, like I said, long ago that's something that was rooted and planted in my life, and it was so hard to get delivered from that. But like I said, I'm going to take you through the entire journey. Um, but uh, from then on, after we moved to my grandma's house on Stansted. Um, Living a awesome life or whatever, um, I thought it was like, okay, well, maybe it's a one-time thing. And then when I actually got to middle school or whatever, um, of course, there were people there um, calling me names, like, hey, uh, all, just a whole bunch of names, which um, I, I, I guess you would say increased um, my uh, my habits on doing what I wanted to do. I mean, what uh, increased in what I was doing because they were basically saying like, oh, like gay and all that kind of stuff. And I was just like, oh, no, no. So then they kind of like forced the issue. And of course the Bible says like you have power with your tongue, whether yeah. you do life or death with it. And little did I know they were literally feeding me death, but this I is, didn't know that I was out. And I'm yeah, sorry. Right? And this is, uh, how old are you by now when you moved into your grandma's middle house? middle school, yeah. So I was middle like school. in sixth, seventh, yeah, sixth, seventh, eighth grade is, actually sixth grade is when I actually started when people called me names. Wow. And um, I, I, in a sense, didn't know what to do. So I was like, well, maybe I am. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe I am. And they would always say, like, these kinds of things and all that kind of stuff. And I was, every time I would go home, I would be like, well, maybe I am or maybe I'm not. Like, well, what is it? Like, they, do they know what happened when I was little? Do they know? And that was running through my head the whole time. And I was mm. just like, literally driving myself crazy and um we i moved out um of norwalk moved in um, over to northridge because my mom got a boyfriend so my uh, eighth ninth and tenth grade year i was over in the valley uh went over there to kennedy high school and uh right there is when they kind of took a toll i kind of um started doing things in a sense i would say um 
I guess when I was in ninth grade, um, I finally took the action on doing something I fantasized on doing with somebody else. Um, so in that moment, I was just like, hey, this is something I really want to do. Like, I, it's just like my adrenaline was like running because it's just like, hey, I fantasized about this. Um, of course, uh, watching all these things on uh, the Internet, uh, porn and all that kind of stuff. Like, of course, I instead of watching it, I wanted to actually do it. So when ninth grade came... There was a few people coming out who, who were gay and all that kind of stuff. And uh, a lot of people really didn't know I was, but there were a few people who kind of like sensed it in a sense. Um, but it wasn't until ninth grade is when I finally took action and went forth on uh, going on what I fantasized on doing. Or actually, um, ninth grade, at behind closed doors or whatever, I would like in like the theater room or whatever, we would meet up. I would meet up with him every so often. And then... Um, it got to the point where I would like spend the night at his house and this maybe happened like twice or whatever. But after that time I was just like, no, like I can't do it. Like I knew it was wrong. Mm -hmm. I had, uh, at this point I had no, uh, um, uh, idea of who Jesus was, who God was. All I knew was, Hey, when we die, we go to heaven. That's it. I had no like anything about, um, about Jesus or anything. Of course I went to church with my grandma. She's a Catholic. Um, we went there every so often, didn't pay attention, but like I said, all I knew was, hey, when we die, we go to heaven, that's it, period. Um, but I didn't know there was um, all these other things that you had to do, of surrender your life and turn from your evil ways and all that kind of stuff. But um, So, uh, not to cut came, you off. Oh, yeah, go ahead. So, at this point, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're behind closed doors, you're, you're, you're what they call in the closet, and yeah. you're, and you're, you're, you're experimenting. And, and um, at that moment, do you feel like you're going through a phase? Because one of the things that I believe a lot of people they look at their they look at this lifestyle as a phase. Did you feel that you were in a phase? Did you feel like you were just fulfilling some lust, or did did you feel like you know, hey, this is who I am? Yeah, yeah, so I did feel like it was a phase, but every time I thought it was and I would try to stop, it just kept coming back. So, um, and in that moment, I was just like, okay, well, am I, am I gay or am I not? And like I said, the phase, every so often, I would try to see like, okay, maybe this is just something going on and it's going to bypass me at some point. But like I said, ninth grade came, 10th grade came, my junior year came, my senior year came, and it wasn't until senior year is when I finally said, hey, you know what? This is, I guess, who I am in a sense. I mean, I've tried all that I can and nothing's working out. So, you know what? I'm going to stick to it. Um, but after when I realized it wasn't a phase and um, when I got to junior year, I started seeing more people come out. And I was mm. just like, hey, like maybe this is something like good in a sense. I mean, before you didn't see so many people coming out like that. But um, my junior year, there was a whole bunch of people coming out slowly but surely and everybody was praising them and excited for them and I was just like hey I mean I was I've been in the closet for a long time like maybe I should like come out but it wasn't until my uh senior year is when I did that is when I actually came out there was one time where I had a party at my house and a whole bunch of people there invited all my friends and I was just really like drunk and high and I finally told them I brought my closest friends in and I told them and they were just like man that's cool but like we still love you and all that kind of stuff so I guess that support right there really uh, um, encouraged me to like stick to this in a sense because 
There was nobody who talked down to me. There was nobody who said, like, oh, my gosh, like, oh, no. Like, everybody always had something good to say. It was always pleasing me, in a sense. And I guess that's what um, that's what really brought me out, in a sense, out of the closet. Um, but um, obviously, um, within that time when senior year came, I was still doing, I was going on, like, websites. I was going on, like, dating apps. I was driving um, everywhere, just meeting up with someone, hooking up for about 30 minutes and then going back home. One second, Gil. My bad. One second, Gil. Go for it. My bad. We had to take a quick break. Um, so you were talking about you, you threw a party. And uh, what, what happened at that party? Yeah, so I threw the party and I invited my closest friends in. And I was drunk and high. And I was just like, hey, you know, I've got something to tell you guys. And they're like, what, what? And I was just like, you know what? I was just like, I'm gay. And they're like, oh, like, we love you. And they started praising me and all that kind of stuff. So from that moment on, um, every time we would go to parties, I'd always have one of them in the car with me, um, driving me around, taking me to go uh, hook up with somebody because every time I would go and hook up, I would always be drunk or high and all that kind of stuff. Um, but my friends, they were really close to me. Um, I was with them like all the time um, during high school, after school um, and all that kind of stuff. But it, um, before that, I was like I said, I was going on dating websites. Um, apps uh, meeting up with different people and um like i said like i was trying to find out who i was i guess you would say because there was nobody was calling me names anymore like at this point by my senior year um every for some reason i don't know how or why this happened but i like became i guess you would say like popular in a sense and then i became prom king which i didn't want to do but someone nominated me and then from then on it just started to launch off and then literally everybody knew who i was everybody knew that i was out and i guess i was just like hey like not one person has something bad to say like you know what? i'm gonna go ahead and live this way so then i posted something on instagram um i guess that same year and i was just like hey you know what like I'm out or whatever, and uh, the reason why my family found out is because something happened at a party that my um, that my cousin was with me, and then just a whole bunch of like craziness happened. Um, but my family found out through that, and um, like I said, not one of them like had anything like bad to say. They didn't put me down or do anything like that. But um, it was it was really like weird coming out to them i guess you would say even mm -hmm. though i really didn't come out they kind of found out in mm -hmm. a sense um but uh it wasn't until like after high school i had my cousin alexis and her friend they were always literally we were always together i was drinking i was doing nas i was smoking i was literally doing everything and i had all that stuff in my car and i thank god for that because i had tinted windows um and I, my car literally looked like a racing car, so I was so thankful that I did not get pulled over once, that I did not get a DUI, because like I said, if those of you who have ever tried NAWS, like, you pass out, like, you flop. Wow. And I was doing that while driving, and I was on the freeways while doing it, and like I said, there was like an angel over me taking the steering wheel while I was driving, and it's not until... I'm saved now where I look back at the moments where God's hand was literally on my life because of what he had in store for me. And um, like I said, when there's so many times where I've had like, I guess, moments where I was where I was just really drunk or like wasted and my spiritual um, eyes would be open, but I thought it would just be the drugs and all that kind of stuff. But like I said, now knowing um, a whole bunch about the spirit realm and all that kind of yeah. stuff, looking back, I know that 
when I would drink or when I would smoke or have too much, my spiritual eyes would open to the demonic mm. realm and I would see a whole bunch of things and I would just think like, oh, it's the drugs, it's, mm. it's, it's the drinks and all that kind of stuff. But like, like I said, looking back at it, I know now like there's a whole bunch of people who, who drink and smoke and do all that kind of crazy stuff like shrooms mm. and all that and they see all these things, mm. but little do they know they're tapping into the demonic realm and they're yeah, allowing yeah. these spirits and demons into their life. So and my, they're wondering why they're addicted to what they're addicted to is because they opened a portal, which now allows the demon to come into their life. And like I said before, like why it was so hard for me to get delivered from, from homosexuality is because of what happened at a young age. Wow. Because between point A and point B, there was something in my timeline that caused me to be the way I was. And there's a lot of people nowadays who say, hey, I was born this way. Nothing happened to me. Like, hey, I heard your One second. I heard your yeah, I want to. I want to kind of park there a little bit. Number. I want to. Okay, I have go for it. two questions for you. Now, um, you know, uh, I'm 40 years old. Growing up in the in the culture I grew up in, nobody came out the closet. Even when you knew somebody was gay, and you said, "Oh, you're gay," and they'll be like, "I'm not gay." No, you're gay. They wouldn't come out until later on. But my thing is, it was sort of like shameful to come out. But what I'm noticing nowadays. And even with your story a little bit is when someone says, I'm coming out the closet, I, this is who I am. They're sort of like, they're, they're like you're saying, you're, you were like being praised. You, was, you were being courageous. You were being like strong. Um, you're saying that when you came out, your family, they were for it. Or they were just like, as long as you're happy. Yeah, yeah, so it was as long as I was happy, like, hey, like, at least he, he's out cool and all that kind of stuff, like, we knew he was, they, they basically, I know some of them said, like, oh, we knew since he yeah. was younger, yeah. but the thing is, they didn't know what happened in that timeline, and obviously, they, in a sense, little did they know they were speaking life into that false identity, Keep they were keep calling me, like, oh, he's gonna be gay, or he's gay, yeah. or all that kind of stuff, but little do they know they were speaking death into that false identity. Oh. Question number two. Um, whether I, I don't know how how um, how uh, open you want to be on this issue, but the person that initiated that um, the initiated the that molested you for the first time, have you have you gotten any closure from that, or have you? How, how have how have you handled that issue, that situation? Have you confronted that person? Does that person know that that you know that hey, I you know how how were you? How did you deal with that? Um. Well, I honestly don't know where he is. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess they moved. Yeah, they moved. Um. I don't even know his name. I, I like I said, I forgot his name. I forgot the whole family's name. Um. There was a time where I was just trying so hard to figure out who this person was. Um, just obviously, I have nothing against them. Um, obviously, it wasn't his. What, what I see was it wasn't his fault because maybe something happened to yes. him, so that's why he reacted the way he did. Yeah. So with me, I'm not a person to hold a grudge. Um, I know there are people who hold grudges who say I can't forgive this person. I just can't. But I mean, with me, I'm not that kind of person. Even when I wasn't saved, um, I still release it and let it go. Um, mm. but, um, with me, I, 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 let it go. I gave it to God. I said, God, I forgive this person. Um, whatever it is with, with him, I just release it and I let it go. And I just release whatever this is on my life mm. off of my life. Um, mm. Come on. But, but yeah, I, I, I think that, um, 
you, you said something very key. You talked about forgiveness. And I believe that when people think about forgiveness, they think about, well, I'm going to ask this person for forgiveness and they're going to forgive me and they're going to say, yes, they're going to agree with you, right? But forgiveness, yeah. we know, is for us first. And, for, and when we yeah. ask people to forgive us, it starts the healing process for us. And so do you believe that and what I want to do now is I want to I want to kind of kind of get into like how you went from one lifestyle to living another lifestyle and how forgiveness is was actually a key is a key to our breakthrough is a key yeah. to us getting healings that we need. So what I want to do right now is I want you to to give me just a brief uh, like what were the the moments or, or what was happening in your life? That brought you to a place of surrendering your life to the Lord. Surrendering, you know, because when you surrender, you're surrendering your hurt, your pains, your sufferings. Yeah. You're saying, God, like, I want you, Lord, but I'm jacked up. I'm hurt. What does that look like for you? What did that look like for you? Because I think that there might be, be a, there's a lot of people out there right now that are in, we're in, are in that place where they know that the lifestyle they're living is not pleasing to God, but yet yeah. this is who I am. And another thing, I was born this way. I can't change it. God chose this life for me, and God just wants me to be happy. Where were you at? Like, what can you say that led? What was the the leading up to conversion? Well, it wasn't until um, on my twenty, or actually on my twenty first birthday. Uh, we went out, uh, my mom, uh, uncle, and a few of my cousins, we went out to downtown Fullerton. Uh, we stopped at the first bar. Some of my friends from work met us there, and um, I was already just, like, drinking away, and that first bar wasn't even anything, like, popping or whatever. It was, like, a cheap old, like, regular, like, bar or whatever. So I was there, and I was already, like, wasted that, down that first bar. Um, and then we started bar hopping and all that kind of stuff, and I was just gone. Um and it wasn't until I came home, maybe about three o'clock. Um, I believe I drove. Uh, I want to say I want to say I drove because uh, I remember I was in my car and it was really cold that night. And um, I was just sitting in my car and I had my nose painting there and um, I had just was just sitting in there, just like, oh my god, I feel like crap. And it wasn't until I just sat there and I heard a voice, and the voice simply said, "Repent." And um, it was just regular voice and I kind of look around and I'm just okay maybe it's just drugs kicking in or whatever so I end up going inside That's some good drugs yeah so I end up going in yeah so I go inside and I I sleep I bring my dog in and I sleep or whatever and um I wake up and I'm taking a shower and then I hear the word again and it says repent and I'm like okay like this is weird like I don't know why this word keeps popping up so then I go back in my room and I'm like you know what I don't know why but I was I'm gonna call my grandma and I call my my mom's mom and she's a Christian, and I don't know why I called her instead of my other grandma. Um, so I called her, and I was like, hey, I was like, um, I know what confession means. I was like, but what does repent mean? And she's like, well, oh, she's like, well, repent means is when you surrender your life to, uh, to Jesus, and you live for him, and turn away from the life you're living so he can give you a brand new one. And I was just like, well, that seems really easy. And my birthday's December, um, and it wasn't until the first week of January when I was like, okay, I'll go with you, like, starting January. And first week of January, um, I went to the church. Um, they were barely starting off this church. Uh, so it was actually in a, a hotel hall. 
um, very few people um, and all that kind of stuff. So I was just like, oh, so is he going to do it? And um, she was just like, yeah, he's going to call people up to accept in, in your guys' life. So um, I was just like, okay, cool. So then worship began, and this worship was 45 minutes long. And I was just like, I don't know what it was, but the music and the sound, it was hurting my ears. I was getting ahead of it. But like I said, now knowing in that moment what, what was happening was my, my – I was battling against the – the, the demons that were in me fighting against the songs that they were singing, which were songs of deliverance, songs of redemption, songs of hope, and songs of peace. Mm. So little that I know, mm. that's why my that's why I was getting a headache, and that's why I didn't want to stay long. And then it ended, and I was like, okay, I'm going to fight through it. So I sat down. The preaching went on for about an hour, and I was just like, okay, like he didn't do it. And she's like, oh, next week. So next week comes along, same thing, worship's about 15 minutes long. He preached about 45 minutes long, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to come back. Like he's, he's not saying anything, and she's like, okay, come back one more time, and he's going to do it. So I come back the third time. Worship is about an hour and 10 minutes. They go into a spontaneous um and then this dude's uh, preaching, and he preaches for maybe about 50 minutes. So the whole service was about maybe two and a half to two, uh, three hours long. It's that Pentecostal finally, church. <laughs> yeah, so he finally calls people up, and he's like, hey. He's like, okay, so does anybody want to come and accept uh, uh, Jesus as our Lord and Savior? And this was the moment I was waiting for. Inside, I was so jumping and wanting to go up, but some some reason I was fighting. And I, my, it's like my body didn't want to go up. And at this moment, I was fighting against my flesh and blood. My flesh wanted to stay, but my spirit wanted me to walk up and go up there. So I was literally battling in that moment. Mm, should I go or should I stay? So I actually told my uh, my grandma's friend, like, hey, you know what? Could you come up with me? And uh, um, uh, could you come up with me come to come and, and accept Jesus? And she's like, oh, it would be an honor. So she gets me up, and as I walk up, of course, when I walk up, there's like 10 other people that follow me. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So I go to the back of the line, and everybody's falling, and people are crying. And he comes to me, and he puts his hand um, over my face, and he's like, okay, so what do you need prayer for? And at this moment, I was choked up, uh, and I didn't know what to say. So he's like, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and pray for you. So he had his hand... Um, not on my head, but he was just over my head, and he was praying and praying. And then at this moment, I was uh, swaying back and forth. And by the moment I opened my eyes, I'm on the floor, and people are praying over me, speaking in tongues. And I'm like, what the heck is this? Like, I didn't even, like, feel myself fall on the floor. And that was, like, the only time I got slain by the Holy Spirit. And then when I left that place, I literally felt brand new. Like the Bible says, I, I felt joy. I felt new. I felt alive. I felt just, like, clean. And I was just so jumping and leaping for joy. And I, even my grandma and my aunt, they're like, wow. They're like, well, God must have really touched you. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, it was amazing. Like, I was crazy. And, of course, that night comes to an end. And my friend's like, hey, come over. Like, uh, do you want to come over and kick it? So I come over. And then there's maybe about 10 people. And they're all in a circle. And they're smoking. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, hey, I was just, I just got saved today. I was just, I don't think we're supposed to do this. So he takes the hit. And he's like, yeah. He's like, he's like, God made the weed. He's like, it's good for us. And I was just like, uh, okay. So I ended up smoking. And at that moment, I just felt really convicted. I'm like, I shouldn't do this. So then I started, we started to go back and forth about why it was bad. And I was like, go home. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what did I do? And I felt so condemned and unworthy. And I go back to church and I'm like, well, I, like, I smoked or whatever. And then he prays for me again. And I come out the same way, just filled with joy and all that kind of stuff. But, um, in that, in that moment, um, it's, it was my full, like, surrender in that time. Like, obviously, I didn't want to surrender all that I have, 
but it was just my basic obedience on saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to get prayed for. I'm going to see what happens. And that yeah. right there is my yes to God. That right there is my yes to the Holy Spirit to come in. And there's a lot of people who go to church, and they're just like, Ugh, I don't even want it, but they're there. They're, them going is their yes. Even when they fought you so much or whatever, like, fine, I'm annoyed, but I'm going to go. Like, that right there is their yes to God. And God says, hey, all I need them, I just need them in the building, or I need them where there's a bunch of Holy Ghost people, and I'm going to go ahead and do the work. Like, you brought them to me, that's all I need you to do, and I'll do the rest. And that's what happened to me, because I really didn't want to surrender everything, or I didn't know I was going to surrender everything. Um, but, but yeah, that journey right there is what really, like, launched me. Because, what, what really, like, helped me get delivered was getting under somebody, and her name was Daisy. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you one, know who she was. Um, one sec. We're going to park right there. I, I That's um, somebody that I kind of wanted you to talk to, uh, talk about. Okay. But, you know, one of the things that I notice about any lifestyle that you live is contrary to God's word. Is there's always, yeah. I believe that every person is born with a God-sized hole in their heart. And all oh, yeah. their lives were trying to uh, fit other stuff in a God place. And you, you said, you know, like, even though you were living a lifestyle that was, that was uh, satisfying the flesh, satisfying your lust and your desires, you were still empty inside. Correct? Yeah. And then when you you encountered the Jesus that you've been hearing so much about, that you knew a little bit about, then that hole in your heart began to be filled with God's grace, God's peace, God's joy. And then at that moment, the battle begins. The battle, because at that point, there's no battle. The battle, because we are, the Bible says that men love darkness. So we, until the moment we become Christians, we're just given over to our lusts and desires, and 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 uh, yep. there is no battle. And then you become, and then you 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 get to a place where you begin to um, you begin to uh, uh, experience the love of Christ, the forgiveness, the redemption, and then the battle begins. I heard somebody say one time, "Man, when I got saved, all hell broke loose," you know. And so yeah. at this point, you 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 come to know the Lord. You're starting to experience the goodness of God, the the, 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 the new life, the life that, that God has given you. And then God says, okay, I'm going to put uh, a spiritual leader over you, and this person is going to help you. So in other words, God put a, a Paul in your life, and you're a young yep. Timothy. And I know the story yep. with Daisy, I don't know at all, but I know that uh, she was uh, very important to you. You know, and um, so speak a little bit about her, um, and um, you know, and then I, what I also want to get into is how important it is to have a Paul or a Daisy in your life. But uh, yeah, tell us a definitely. little bit about her, about Daisy. Yeah, so um, that that month after I got saved, um, my pastor kept talking about um, this girl named Daisy. Like, hey, like Daisy got delivered from lesbianism. Um, she had a radical encounter with God. Um, she literally left her job, that, um, which, which paid her 28 uh, bucks an hour. She had a, an awesome car, and she literally left all that behind to go on a missions trip to live in Mexico. And um, my pastor kept talking about her, and I was just like, who is this girl? Like, I was so, like, intrigued by who she was. And um, uh, maybe about a couple months uh, came by, and um, my pastor was like, hey, like, I have somebody here. Um, I want you guys to all meet, and then um, she comes up and she's like, hey guys, like I'm Daisy, and then the whole 
service, my eyes were just locked on her. And I was just really thinking, like, should I go talk to her or should I not? Like, what should I do? And um, it wasn't until, like, the end of service when I told her, I was just like, hey, I was just like, hey, my name's Gilbert. I was like, I'm new to this church. I was just like, uh, could I go ahead and uh, talk with you outside? And she was just like, yeah, sure. So um, I was talking with her, and um, I, I told her that I wanted to tell her something. And I was just like, hey, you know what? Um, there's something, like, I want to tell you. And she's like, oh. And she's like, I already know. And I was just like, what? She's like, yeah. She's like, the Lord already spoke to you about me when I walked in. She's like, when I was praying and worshiping, she's like, I was looking around at the new people, and she was just like, um, the Lord already spoke to me about you or whatever. And then she literally told me everything that I was going to tell her, everything that I went through and all that kind of stuff. And at this point, I was just like amazed, and I was locked on. And um, little that I know, the Lord was revealing just things about me to her, and which in a sense, drew me, like, hey, like, you, God can talk to us, God can, like, reveal things like that, and that right there was really, like, locked me in, um, so she took me under her wing, um, and it was a hassle, like, it was really hard, because there were times where I wanted to give up, there were times where I, where I felt like I can't do it, like, I've tried so much, I've tried doing the procedures, I tried praying, reading, and worshiping, I've tried doing everything, i literally tried it all and nothing worked and it was to the point where I wanted to give up and at this point we're already deep like me and her our relationship is already like good um there were times where I fallen got back up she would say hey you know what just keep, just keep running the race she's like wipe yourself wipe yourself off repent and she's like just keep moving forward but at this time I was really wanting to give up because I was just like I just can't I tried living the homosexual lifestyle and the church lifestyle, and it's just not possible. I don't know how people can do it, how they say they can do it, and how it's possible. It's just not possible because you literally get attacked like 10 times more. Like, it's just more enhanced that way, and it just brought depression and anxiety on my life, which I've never had, but it wasn't until I tried living both lifestyles, which I could not do, and this is the time I was working at Disneyland, and there's a whole bunch of gay people at Disneyland, bisexual people at Disneyland, and whatever, anything goes at Disneyland, and this is when I was working at Disneyland, and I was just like, I just can't do it, Daisy, like, I'm done, like, I can't, and um, this was the point where um, I was talking to her on the phone, and she was like, Gilbert, and she was crying, and uh, she was just like, I'm not going to let you give up, she's like, I'm going to fast, and I'm going to pray for you, She's like, I don't care if you fall away. She's like, I'm still going to be your friend. And she's like, and I'm still going to encourage you and let you know that God has a plan for you. She's like, I'm not going to let the demons or the devil take your soul because I know that that God has a plan for you. She's like, I'm not going to let the devil take you and drag you to hell. She's like, I just won't. She's like, I refuse to let that happen. And it wasn't until she said that with her tears, like I felt that compassion towards her. Um, and I felt everything over the phone. And I was just like, okay, like I'm going to do it. I was like, but it's hard. And um, from that moment on, I was just like, of course I fell every so often, but there were there was a moment where God spoke and I felt that he spoke to my spirit saying, hey, you've tasted and seen of my goodness. You've tasted and seen of what the world has to offer. He's like, you've tasted and seen what both of them combined sound and, and taste like. He's like, but you got to pick now. And that was like the most hardest decision because I was going to move in with somebody. I was already wanting to get with like, literally like in my mind marry this person that I was talking to and it was so freaking hard to release and let him go in order to follow God and I know that's a lot of people's struggles that's a lot of people's weak points is letting it go whatever it is letting the, the person you're dating go letting the porn and the masturbation go it's letting it go and simply going after God and if that means you gotta 
be around that person 24-7, like live with that person 24-7, then so be it. Because I always tell people, the disciples, they were literally around Jesus 24-7. Like there was not a moment he left them, except when he sent them somewhere and he said he was going to meet them there. But the disciples always had an accountability person, and that was Jesus. He was always with them. And I told people, I was just like, you guys literally need to have, get, get under somebody and you you need, like you said, either a Daisy or a Paul of your life. And it's not just someone you're close with. And it's not someone like, oh, this person seems really cool. You want someone who will be real with you. You want someone who will nip whatever it is that that is that, that thorn out of your butt. You want this person to literally uproot and remove that sin or whatever it is in your life out of you. And it's, it's hard for people to do that because a lot of people don't want anybody to touch their demons. Yes. And I always tell people, you, you always tell people on the streets or like you're trying to help somebody and they're like, oh no, I'm good. Like, I'm fine. And it goes back to the story of when Jesus is talking, walking up to this person and the demons inside them, they, they, they literally look at Jesus and they're like, let us alone, Jesus of Nazareth, let us alone. And I tell people all the time as a joke, when people are telling you, oh, we're fine, we're good, like, mm. it's okay, those are literally demons speaking to mm. you, saying, we're fine, we're good, but it's not the person inside, it's the demon speaking for them. But little do they know that you carry the light of the world, you carry a, mm. a, a, a message, and you carry a, a deliverance for them, whether if they're going through depression or homosexuality or mm. masturbation or porn, whatever it is. But that was my main goal, mm. um, was getting under somebody, because without that, I don't know how I would do it. I would try to do it on my own strength mm. and my own way and my own wisdom. And it wasn't until fully I told Daisy, I was like, you know what? I can't do it. Like, I need help. Like, I'm still yeah. doing this behind closed doors and all that kind of stuff, but I need help. And she was just like, now I can work with you because you're being honest with me. And even though you're still sinning, she's like, that right there is the first step is letting me know, being vulnerable, and then still allowing me to work in your life. Um, but yeah, I think right there, getting under somebody who will literally not only be your friend, but also in the time of need and in the time of uh, uh, correction will actually correct you in a loving but yet a uh, way that will want you to change in a sense. Um, so, but yeah, getting under somebody is, a, is, a, is key. So you need to get around somebody who won't, don't, won't play with you, won't baby yeah. you. Yep. So, so far, I, 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 I've listened to you, man, and I don't even have a lot of words for you because it is such an amazing story of of pain, struggle, victory. I mean, you've been through it all. You, as a child, you know, it's so many, your story, res, it, it, it can um, relate to so many. So many people have yeah. been through what you've been through. And one of the things I wanted to talk to you about before we get into to the the next part of the um the interview is that you know um you got under somebody that can relate to you there's somebody that was uh that was loving and we know that she went on to be with the lord and um yeah. and i know that uh uh th that was huge for you that I, I i i'm i'm i can only imagine how you felt but one of the things that that i tell people is is um we look at homosexuality and I feel like we put it in a category by itself, and um, yeah. and we feel like it's just the worst sin you could do and it's the worst thing you can be, but technically sin is sin, and yeah. uh, I think as Christians, before we get we go any further, I think that I think the church is doing a poor job of engaging. 
Oh yeah, definitely. The, the gay community, because we we engage them with scripture, okay, and we engage them, but a lot of times I feel like we're saying that they're the worst, but the same yeah. person that's saying they're the worst or ex they ex drug addicts, ex ex gang members, and and I think that they feel like they're being judged. It's it's a it's a it's a message of hate, not love. Yeah. So where can we? From your point of view as the church, how can we engage the LGBT community with more of a loving, kind, gentle way without dumbing down the gospel? Without sitting... Yeah. How, how do you feel that we, we can improve in that area? Um, well, first off, start preaching about it. Um, bring it in and bring it, it into all churches. Mm -hmm. um, is the church ready? Is the church of, ready for that? Yeah, yeah, and a lot of churches aren't ready for that because one, like you said, they don't know how to touch on it, or mm -hmm. uh, two, they may be like, "Oh, I've never lived that way, so I really can't preach about it, or I really can't disciple someone who's living that lifestyle." That's false because I always go back to Jesus. Jesus never lived these lifestyles all these people went through, but yet he still had the answer. And when people say, oh, like, you know, I really can't help you out there. Like, I didn't go through depression or anxiety, so I don't know what it feels like. I, um, but I can go ahead and direct you. So, no, that, that means you really don't got the full power of the gospel. That means you really don't have the Holy Spirit in you because Jesus himself helped literally everybody and in all their kinds of sins. He had the answer, and there's no particular um, type of uh, uh, um, sin. Uh, people should be like, oh, well, I, I work more in this, in this sin than that sin. Like, I don't know too much about that sin. It's just God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the simple gospel. Hey, you want freedom? Let me go ahead and pray for you for, for, for freedom, for deliverance, and for peace and for hope. And a lot of people think they have to touch really deep on these topics. Um, but it's just like, if a lot of, like, you hear all these pastors and preachers and all these evangelists, they talk, they always, always bring up depression and anxiety, but nobody goes further than that because they don't want to offend nobody. They don't want to go ahead and get people mad. They don't want to lose followers. They don't want to lose members. But I'm saying in order to preach the gospel, you've got to preach it clear. You've got to preach it with love, with boldness, and a sound mind. And people can truly tell if you're preaching it in hate or if you're preaching it out of a true, pure heart. And when I preach, I'll go ahead and I'll mention homosexuality. I'll mention masturbation and porn. And a lot of people don't like that. They're like, well, you're too deep. Well, these are things literally happening in households or in churches or in family members. And people don't touch on it. So that's why members are still going through what they're going through because it's not depression. It's probably they're depressed because they don't know if they're gay or not. And a lot of people just touch on depression, but we have to literally call out these spirits and all these kinds of things that people are going through. And a lot of people touch, and I'm not saying every sin, sin is sin, but a lot of people are just touching just the, the rooftop, which is depression and anxiety. But it goes so much further than that. Like, you never know, this person may got molested or whatever it may be when they were a little kid, and yet they're still going through this uh, depression or anxiety. Like, you have to go to the root problem. And mm. when I'm, every time, wherever I go and I preach, I always mention everything. I mention my entire testimony. I don't shy back. I literally go for it. And there's people who literally cringe when I say something. But I'm just like, hey, I'm going to preach this gospel because this is my life. This was my life. And I know there's a thousand more, if not millions of people. Because there's a lot of stuff that I didn't mention. And I'm writing a book right now. There's a lot of stuff that I didn't mention that, that's going in my book right now. And I feel when people read the book, they're going to feel disgusted. They're going to 
feel like, oh my gosh, like, oh, like he's still doing this and that. But the thing is, it's it wasn't me in the moment. It was what happened to me that caused me to do what I did. And I didn't know what I what I what I was doing was wrong because of what happened at such a young age. And my mentality stuck like that. Nobody literally showed me the gospel. Nobody showed me the love of God because, like I said, I, I grew around people, my family members who weren't saved. They knew nothing about God. Just, you die, you go to heaven, that's it. And I feel like if I was around a, a Christian home, like, really rooted in God and all that kind of stuff, I feel like things would be different. But because mm. it's not, like I said, there's a lot of things that the churches don't touch on, which I think they should, and that right there is going to just get hell crazy because hell doesn't want preachers and pastors to to preach about these deep things, these these touchy subjects, because they know when they do, there's freedom when they preach it. These mm. things are, are, are known, these things are brought to the light, and when they're brought to the light, we can we can go ahead and cast it out. But if things that are hidden, we, we, we can't literally, we, we can't do anything if you're hiding something, and we don't know anything about. Um, but I just think, like, anybody can preach about homosexuality and being gay and being a lesbian. But the thing is like, you have to preach it with love. Mm. And there's a lot of people on Facebook where I, I know some people who, who preach about this topic and even coming from me being saved. Uh, if I, if I wasn't saved and I heard this guy talking the way he's talking, there was absolutely no way that I would, want to come to christ the way he's talking even though he's saying like well i'm saying this in love i've got to say i don't i can't water it down yes that's true but there's a way to minister the father's heart instead of ministering Ooh, the on, father's heart of hate so what's but, your... um the reason why yeah the reason no, why a lot of people oh go ahead so what you're saying at the end of the day we need to preach the message of love through the gospel and then that yes. is what's going to do the job amen i I think that at the end of the day, we can throw scripture and we can say it's coming from a good place. But yep. the way we bring it, the way we're delivering it, 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 it says something else. Yeah. I think, uh, man, I, I just want to, again, pre I appreciate you, man, sharing your heart with us today, uh, sharing your testimony. Like I like you said, there's probably layers and layers and layers of this your oh, testimony. Yeah, definitely. That we, we will be here forever, ever, ever. But I don't want to just park there and just say, okay, thanks for telling me, you know, you used to be gay and now you're not gay and now you're serving the Lord. But what is God, what is, what is happening with you right now? Uh, give us a little bit of, uh, a, a little bit of info on like, what are you doing? I know recently that you, uh, you spoke at Azusa Pacific and that was kind of cool. Yep. Um, uh, what is God doing with you now? Um, what are you up to in the ministry? Um, well, I'm my well my launch date for my actual ministry, which is called the Love Effect. Oh. Um, that's something Daisy. Yeah, that's something Daisy and I um, wanted to start, um, which we started a few years ago. But when she passed, it kind of I kind of slowed down a lot, and then I would tell myself like I want to get it started, but I would lag and all that kind of stuff because I just didn't know where to go. And like I said. Daisy was the was the Paul and I was the Timothy and she was literally leading and guiding me and telling me what to do. But when she passed, the ministry kind of just stood on a hold. Um, but we still kept the name, and the reason why we have the name, the love effect, is because God's love will affect your life. It's what God's love is going to do. It's going to transform you. It's going to change you. And um, that's why we chose the name, the love effect. And I already have a logo. There was one time where I was praying, actually, um, a few months ago, and I was like, Lord, I need a logo for this. And we got the logo ready. Um, um, we're going to be launching shirts possibly next month. 
Um, I'm going to start doing uh, um, podcasts, uh, um, YouTube videos next month. Um, I'm getting a whole bunch of stuff ready uh, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, the Lord's really wanting me to push this forward because two years ago I had a vision um, where I literally was getting ready for work, like any other day, getting ready for work, and all of a sudden within seconds I've seen this whole movie play before my eyes within like three seconds and it was me putting on a conference towards the LGBT community and the people that I had that the Lord highlighted to me that I've seen on stage were people who know how to minister the Father's heart. They weren't just random people who know how to preach a good message or have an anointing but these are people who know how to minister God's love and in this time, in this vision I've seen these people, I've seen transgenders crying with the makeup and mascara uh, going down their face I've seen people raising their hands and giving their life to Jesus and it was just something crazy happening it was messy but it was something that it was something different that God was doing and um it was this time where I was just like man like what the heck and then it wasn't this, after I had that vision that day from that day uh the next day to the following day everybody that I ran into they were always telling me about Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 write the vision and make it plain on tablets he who reads it may run with it so I wrote the vision down in my book and um, ever since then, I've been running with it. Um, but um, I plan and I pray that this uh, conference is going to take place next year. Uh, things have been little like hard in a sense, uh, spiritually, because like I said, like this isn't something like, oh, I'm going to put on a conference and people are going to get saved. Like, like I like I tell people, these these this spirit was a regular spirit before, but now I feel it's a principality now because. Like, like you said, it, it was shameful before, but now it's so acceptable now. And these these demons and principalities are running wild and crazy now. So yes. someone who's willing to go after it, of course, all hell is going to break loose. And they're going to say, take this person out because he's doing something that will cause a, a deliverance, that will cause a population in heaven. Um, but like I said, uh, everybody that I've seen in my vision and for the love effect, um, my whole thing is with the love effect is to represent on who God really is because a lot of people misrepresent on who God is and that's why these homosexuals hate God. That's why they don't love God. That's why they think God is a hateful God because a lot of people misrepresent his love. And um, and yeah, so that's what I'm doing right now and I'm in the process of uh, writing a book about my entire life. I'm really hesitant. I was really hesitant on putting it out because of, of all the stuff that is, that's in there. But the Lord really spoke to me and he said, hey, everything in this book, he's like, there are millions of people who have done this, but they don't say absolutely nothing because of the criticism they're going to get. But by you releasing this book, it's going to release the freedom and it's going to release the redemption on their life. And um, I feel like this right here, like what's in my book, is what's, is what's stopping an open heaven on some people's lives. Um, um, but but yeah, so yeah, that's all that's happening with me in my ministry that I'm starting up uh, next month. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, you got a title for that book? Um, I don't yet. To be honest, I I'm still waiting for that title for the book. Um, but but yeah, I don't got a title yet. Wow, that's that's awesome. I pray that God will bless that ministry. Um, where do you uh, where do you currently um you go to church at right now? Um, I go. Uh, it's in uh, uh, Covina. Okay. Yeah, it's called the uh, Harvest Time. Harvest Time Church. Um, and in closing, I, I wanted to uh, to uh, to um, may, uh, 
the other day I was um I was on a youth panel and um the question came up over and over and over about homosexuality and um even the youth leaders uh you know when I was a youth leader we were dealing with gangs and drugs and um yeah. we weren't dealing with homosexuality and and just maybe a few words what can you what can um encouragement can you give to youth leaders that are dealing with young people that are coming to the church that are living the uh, the lifestyle that are openly living the lifestyle what what's some encouragement you can give to the youth leaders now that are having to deal with that um yeah i ran in um i actually went to a church sometime last year and there were uh some some people who were openly gay they're still going to the youth and i was talking to my friend about that and i was just like hey like um do they say anything about this person like no they're just letting them go like they don't say anything or whatever and i'm just like really and they're like yeah like uh, they just don't want to like hurt them or whatever and i'm just like what the heck so i actually talked to the youth leader and i was just like hey, hey or whatever and then my friend was like yeah this guy has a really uh, powerful testimony you should get him up to speak. And he's like, oh, like, what's your testimony? And I told him, I was just, yeah, I was delivered from homosexuality. And he started laughing. And he thought it was a joke. And my friend kind of looked at him like, no, like, you think serious? He's like, wait, you're serious? And he's like, oh, he's like, well, sorry for laughing. He's like, it's just I never ran into somebody who got, like, delivered or seen anybody like that. And I think it's people's lack of knowledge on the true, on, on the gospel. Not even just on homosexuality, but on the gospel. Because it's not our job to change people but it's our job to bring people into an environment that will cause a change. Mm. And if there's no like anointing like on if yeah, so if there's no no anointing on the youth leader's life, obviously people are still gonna live the way they live. You can have a homosexual or a lesbianism come to your youth group and you say absolutely nothing to them, but because of the anointing you have and because of what you preach, they're gonna come up to you. They're gonna say, Hey, you know what, I'm living and you're gonna be like, It's okay, like you know what? keep coming i'm gonna help you out and it shouldn't be something that we should force like hey you're living this way i really don't think it's just your message and your anointing should cause that change of the entire atmosphere um mm. but i always thought I, I i never go up to anybody and say hey so you're living a homosexual lifestyle or a gang lifestyle like like you should get really discipled no i'll go ahead and preach my message with love and a sound mind and Praying that God will move in the hearts of these people because I've seen it so many times before where I preach at, uh, youth, at uh, youth groups and people who would come in who are just really angry and uh, these kids who don't even listen to their parents preach uh, 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 and they're, they're the pastors of, of their church and they come in and I'll go in and preach a raw, uh, a loving, uh, anointed message because I'm like, God, I want these hearts to be turned to you and I'm lifting the name of God and because like I said this, this all goes with praying reading worshiping and fasting that's how you receive the anointing and of course when you're being pressured so much you're being mm. squeezed mm. and when you're being squeezed the fruits yeah the fruits of the spirit should be coming out of your life instead of hate instead of doubt instead of fear but uh it's when you preach your message that's when kids should be coming up to you. That, that's how you know your God's moving in your life. When you're preaching a message and people come up to you and be like, wow, that was a really good message. Like, like you know what? Like, you really spoke to me. And that, in that moment right there, that's when you grab them. That's when you hook them. Because you have, when you're preaching, it's mm -hmm. like you're fishing. You have your, you have your line out. You're preaching, you're preaching. At the end of the message, whoever comes up to you, those are the fish you caught. And those are the ones you want to catch. Amen. Um, but, but yeah, so I think just having the anointing um, and just really, really getting deep with God in order to see 
uh, these lives change and able to speak to them. Amen. So after it's all said and done, I think that you should name your book The Love Effect because the love effect is what caused you to um, to come to Christ. You know, the Bible tells us that no one comes but by the Spirit, but the Spirit is love. And uh, you, you said it over and over and over. It was love. And, you know, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. And uh, your story is an amazing story. I, I, for those who don't know, I, I've known you since you were knee-high to a grasshopper. And uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've seen your, 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 your journey from afar. And I'm, I'm truly blessed that you could share this with me. I, I want to also thank you for coming over to my grandma's house and um, doing worship for my grandpa. That was an awesome. When no one wants to talk to him, you were there uh, singing songs to him. And he had his own private uh, concert. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you, man. I love you. I give you a hard time because I love you. Um, but uh, I just want to say I'm proud of you, man. I thank God for you. I know that this is just the beginning for you. I know that uh, when you get big, don't forget us little people. Amen. Oh, and, uh, I'm going to put down the ladder for you people. <laughs> hey, that, that would be nice. You got to get a hefty one for me. But um, in, in, in closing, bro, uh, again, thank you for taking time to speak with me. And um, hopefully we can do this again when your book comes out. And um, may the Lord continue to bless you, your family, your ministry. And, and if you ever have kids, they're going to be good looking. So... I'm looking forward to that as well. But I appreciate your time. Thank you, man. Love you. All right. Love you too. Talk to you later. God bless.